Hey, you awesome nerds! Welcome back to Pitch Slapped. My name is Kaylee Hillier, and this is the Pitch Perfect Podcast. That's right. Everything to do with Pitch Perfect is right here. We cover everything from fan fiction to the actors and actresses of the franchise, and of course, we like to just delve into a topic each week. And this week, I thought we chained it up a little bit. We've done a lot on the Bellas for the beginning of the podcast. So I thought it was time that we dove into something a little bit different. Love them or hate them, it's the trebles. So we'll be talking a little bit about Please Don't Stop the Music, the first song featured on Pitch Perfect. But before then, let's delve into some actor news. This week on actor news, Skylar Austin shares his up-and-coming Disney Plus series called The Secret Society on Instagram. It's being released on September the 25th, and apparently it's about the secret power that second-born royals have. Sounds weird, looks even weirder, but it's a Disney series, so what do you expect, really? And his power, apparently, is that he can clone himself. Obviously... Skylar Austin is now at the point where he can't play the student, so he is now the teacher. So you can watch that. Check it out from September the 25th on Disney+. Plus. I don't know if that's happening everywhere, but it's definitely happening in America. Elsewhere, Anna Camp's been busy this week. As she said on Instagram, the fact that she had her first date with her boyfriend, Michael Johnson, who is Silky Beats on Instagram. And although they've been dating for about six months, they had their first official date. It's glad to see that the, uh, the pandemic hasn't stopped her love life, even if it's taken six months to have your first date. It was also National Dog Day last week, and we got to appreciate some great shots from... The Bellas, who own dogs, including Anna Camp with Rocky and Mira, Shelley Regner with her doodle dog, and, of course, lots of love for Billy, Brittany Snow's dog. Of course, there's a lot of dog lovers in uh, the Pitch Perfect world, isn't there? Rebel Wilson's also been busy on Instagram as she has been sharing pictures of her weight loss journey. She's calling this year her year of health journey, And she is getting ever closer to her goal. And I tell you what, looking at the pictures on Instagram, she has done such a good job, considering the fact that uh, we've been in a pandemic. And if you're like me and you want to kind of have that motivation, you're thinking, yeah, I've got this free time when everything went into lockdown. I'm going to work out and be so good. Didn't happen. No, just wasn't. Yeah, just wasn't going to happen. So I'm glad that Rebel Wilson has actually been productive during her lockdown and is making the most of it, putting us all to shame. And good luck, Rebel Wilson, as she continues her year of health journey. And Adam Devine has been promoting his new movie on Disney Plus called Magic Camp. This is a heartwarming comedy about finding joy and confidence in self-acceptance. A group of misfit campers help a down-on-his-luck magician rediscover his love of magic. I don't know about you, but the idea that Adam Devine is with a bunch of kids is terrifying. But I I hope the movie's good. 
Also, can Adam Devine actually do magic or is it all just for the movie? Is he one of those people that has like, they've actually secretly trained in doing magic and if you were to sort of meet them, they just like whip out a trick every now and then. That is our actor news this week. We have got coming up our highlights of fan fiction this week. But first, it's now time to delve into the trebles. So every week on the podcast, we'll try and do something a little bit different, whether it's focusing on songs, certain parts of the movies, whether we look at some fan fiction or AUs or just different opinions within the pitch perfect world. And I thought that it would be a bit of fun to delve into some of the songs, starting off this week with the first song that is featured in the pitch perfect movie. When the movie starts playing, you get the universal sound, all done a cappella. And then the first shot is a lineup of about five trebles as they get ready to do their number at the ICCAs. And the song that they sing is Please Don't Stop the Music by Rihanna. Big, big tune. So what can we say about Please Don't Stop the Music by Rihanna? It was released in 2007. So a few years before the movie, and it was on Rihanna's album Good Girl Gone Bad, is classified as a dance track, although at the time there were a number of artists who did R&B and hip-hop music, and they kind of verged into this much more dancey sound, whether you've got stuff like Usher and DJ's Got Us Falling In Love Again, Low by Flo Rida, like it's all up there, similar kind of BPM, similar feel... Now, Please Don't Stop the Music by Rihanna was a huge track. I think out of all of the Rihanna tracks that I have played over the years, when I'm doing gigs, this is one that's a pretty safe option to go to. People love it. It's got the energy and people know the words. There are other great Rihanna tracks, but this one has something in it that just really gets people moving. It's always one of those sort of go-to tracks. If I feel like the audience is kind of getting there, we'll stick in a bit of Rihanna, Please Don't Stop the Music. And now it's kind of getting to that age now where it's a little bit of throwback as well. It's over 10 years old. If you didn't know about Please Don't Stop the Music, it also samples Michael Jackson, Wanna Be Starting Something, from 1983. Wow, that's that's older than me. Something's actually older than me. There you go. <laughs> Big, big tune. So the fact that Pitch Perfect starts with a song that is pretty massive and it's it's a big dancey number, which I think for a cappella was a really interesting take. Before this, you've had stuff like Glee and nothing really kind of touched on stuff that was maybe more from dance music, like really, really uppy, popular because dance music has got that kind of repetitive beat to it. If you can't bring the energy with a track like this, then don't just don't sing it, you know? It's one of those things. So Pitch Perfect started off with a song that was kind of really going to put a landmark in and saying, hey, you know what? We're current, we're up front, we're going to bring you the energy. They weren't messing around when they picked this song. So in preparation for talking about this song on Pitchlapped, I decided to watch it a number of times and have a number of questions, which I have thrown out there to a number of people on group chats and on Tumblr and things like that. So I'm going to share my thoughts, but then also thoughts of other people. 
And it's the troublemakers, as much as you love them or hate them, you know, they do feature a number of times and they genuinely have a better repertoire of songs than the Bellas at this point in time. So the first shot you get in the movie is the shot of five trebles, Bumper and Donald in the middle, starting off the kind of beginning sounds of Please Don't Stop the Music. And one thing I love about this version of the song is the fact that it has a great build-up. They don't do it too fast, and it just kind of slowly gets bigger and bigger as they're going along. It doesn't kind of just all hit you at once when you start listening to it, but it kind of builds up and it eases you in. But it's definitely attention-grabbing as well at the same time. It's also clear when you watch this song on the movie that Bumper is the main guy of the trebles. I mean, he literally sings every line of this song. Like, you'll watch other groups and they'll have different people doing different bits, but no, this is the treble. It's almost like Bumper and the trebles. And can we just appreciate the talent that is Donald beatboxing? Because without that, it just wouldn't have the, the beat that would make this song work if you're going to cover a dance track like this unless you have got like a really strong bass really strong beat it's just not going to be quite there so we have to appreciate that Donald is like really really just keeping that consistency as you would with like a drummer in a band holding it all together and just giving you that energy why do the trebles like velvet blazers so much? Clearly their colour is burgundy slash... I don't want to say red. It's it's definitely like a burgundy red type of colour. Um, complete opposite to the Bellas. But I suppose that's the whole point of the movies, that they are complete opposites in almost every way. So, of course, their colours were not going to be similar at all. It's going to be red versus blue... But you do see the Velvet Blazers coming around a number of times. I did think about this because I was like, they're just, there's, they look good in the Blazers. Let's not like, let's not be around the bush. Like they, they work the Blazers very well. Travels and the Blazers, love it. It's great. However, there's just something tacky about a Velvet Blazer. I'm sorry. Don't like it. It's a very kind of show tuney. I feel like a velvet blazer is something that if you're one of those people has grown up like on the stage, performing, like that type of thing, then maybe you're into the velvet blazer. It's the only place I'd ever see you wearing it. You wouldn't necessarily go out with a velvet blazer. Also, how do you maintain a velvet blazer? Because let's be fair, like it doesn't take a lot to like make something like that look bad. So the cleaning of those and the maintenance of a velvet blazer is quite high core. So can we just appreciate that maybe the trebles are a little bit uh, high maintenance? Just saying. Green-Eyed Weirdo from Tumblr suggested that the velvet blazers are very similar to the Bella's scarves in the fact that when you become a treble, maybe you get your own velvet blazer and that's like their signature thing that they have. I thought that was a fantastic idea. A little bit big, you know, it's not like a scarf where you could tie it on anything. So not as not as flexible, bit cumbersome, but I could see that. 
I could see that being a thing, especially if you consider like not really in this country, but especially in American high schools. I've understood. I might be completely wrong, but like if you're in like a sports team, you have like a jacket, like the Letterman's jacket's really famous, and like the football teams will have the Letterman's jacket to signify that you are a part of the team. So. This could be in a similar way the velvet blazer. If you become a treble, you get a velvet blazer, as much as they are tacky. But like, they love a good velvet blazer on the trebles. <laughs> Would you wear a velvet blazer, or is it just me? Am I just like so against the velvet blazer? It's not even funny. Yeah, the velvet blazer's just got that like old-fashioned feel to it as well. Like it's just. It's really odd because they're singing "Please Don't Stop the Music," but they're wearing velvet blazers, which is something you would wear in like the sixties or seventies. I don't see anybody who wears a velvet blazer now, unless they're on a stage. <laughs> now, as you're watching this song playing out in Pitch Perfect, it's very clear that Bumper takes the lead. We don't really know what the rest of the Trebles do apart from backing vocals, but. Bumper is clearly calling the shots. They don't really let the others sing that much at all, which got me questioning. Like, are they happy with just doing the backing vocals? Do do any of them like wish that they could sing any other parts in the trebles, or just does it not work? Because clearly, Bumper calls all the shots. Whether you think he's a great singer or not. He has got the stage presence to just kind of like command the stage. The other thing that I thought was really interesting is the fact that they only use two microphones. So clearly, they only really want to emphasise two voices in the whole performance: Bumper and Donald. Which would lead us to believe that Bumper and Donald are captain and co-captain. So my question is: How much of an influence did Bumper and Donald have on the Treblemakers? Especially as you watch the beginning of Pitch Perfect, John and Gail really kind of let you know that there's a lot of love for the Trebles. They're very popular, and when you look at the crowd, I mean, there are women right up against the stage. Like they're all there for the Trebles. The Trebles is where it's at. So that would lead us to believe that they are consistently good. Like this is not like a one-time thing. They have built up a reputation on being very good at what they do. They pick the good songs. They've got great performances, and they clearly have that sex appeal that、uh, a lot of people love, especially in the world of Pitch Perfect. To be fair, I did notice. When you watch the beginning, that sex appeal seems to be like a really big thing with both the trebles and the bellas. Whether it's the trebles ripping open their blazers on stage right in front of their screaming fans, or the bellas adjusting their bras to make sure their cleavage looks good, they're clearly working it large. Which is potentially why Aubrey is so nervous when they're trying to get new Bellas, because the previous Bellas had a certain look to them and a certain style, which worked well with the、uh, flight attendant costumes. If nothing else, Bumper and Donald know that leaning to sex appeal, leaning to what will their fans appreciate, goes a long way, and we know that the Trebles not only do. 
the fans love them, but they even have their own merchandise. So they have been good long enough to warrant having their own merchandise. I mean, Benji has a foam finger of the trebles. So <laughs> they have reached a point in acapella reputation where people want to buy their stuff. Bumper and Donald at this point are dupe, well, probably juniors doing the ICCAs at the beginning of the movie. So the fact that there are no seniors to take the lead says a lot. So my thought would be is that they probably have got a strong reputation for a number of years to warrant the fans that they do have. And the reaction on stage, like when you look at the movie, the the girls that are just lined up there for the trebles is quite impressive. So, yeah, I reckon that they've had this reputation for quite a while and Bumper and Donald are kind of continuing that legacy on, clearly doing a good job and leaning to all of their strengths. Whether Bumper is the only really lead choice is is a question, but... Clearly, there's not that many kind of out there voices in the trebles that are willing to kind of stand up and maybe fight Bumper for a slot singing a lead. So we get Bumper. My next question is, (laughs) how painful is it to do the man splits? At the end of the performance, Bumper does the man splits. He jumps up in the air, lands doing the man splits. That is a bold and brave move. I can't do the splits or anything remotely resembling the splits. I'm not flexible enough to do anything like that. It got me thinking like, so how possible is it? Because not only does he do the man splits, he jumps into the man splits. So like, excuse the pun, but there's a lot of balls in that move. And it just really rounds off the performance because you've had this high energy, high going performance of the Trebles doing a Rihanna song, but then they end it on a high with a jump into the man splits. Now, clearly, like, man splits are a little bit easier to do than trying to do the actual splits. But still, when I asked a few people about what they thought of trying to do the man splits, because I have no idea. It might be easier than it looks, but I feel like it's not, especially a jump into the man splits. Because you lose a lot of control if you jump into the man splits. Like, you're coming down, whether you like it or not. And you're not, like, gr- like gently coming down. I mean, you are, like, jumping into this. If you land wrong, that could really, really hurt. And I'm not a guy, so I'm just saying... But fair play to Bumper for doing the man splits so energetically at the end of Please Don't Stop the Music. Another thing I noticed about Bumper when I was watching the video is clearly all the Trebles are wearing burgundy, like, t-shirts and stuff under their velvet blazers. But then Bumper rips his jacket off and he's got a vest underneath. It looks like it's like a black or like navy blue vest. And I'm just there like, why? Bumper, like, what are you doing? You have just performed three minutes of Please Don't Stop the Music energetically on stage and you're telling me that you're that hot that you still have to wear a vest underneath your blazer. Come on, Bumper. Just a very bizarre choice of uh, outfit. I don't get it. He has got to be 
so hot and sweating. I would hate to be near Bumper at the end of that performance if he's wearing that many layers. The buckets of sweat that are probably on that stage. Or maybe they're just all soaked up by the vest, you never know. As the trebles round off their performance, as they end it off, Bumper does a mic drop just to sort of clearly show... Not only does the audience love them, they know the audience loves them. Like, they know how much they're adored, how good they are at what they do. And clearly Bumper knows that as well. With the confidence of doing something like a mic drop (laughs) on stage. I don't know how he got away with doing that, considering the fact that this is the ICCAs, he doesn't own the microphone. I would have thought they might be asking for compensation after the mic drop. So as the Trebles round off their performance, the crowd are going wild. They're lapping it up. I mean, they're just like right there with the audience. They're blowing kisses. They're going right up to the girls at the front. And the Bellas are on the side. Now, if I had a set list like the Bellas and you had to go on after a performance like that from the Trebles, I would be well nervous. The crowd's reaction is crazy they're, they're screaming fans the the audience is loving it the trebles are clearly lapping this all up and you've got to go on after that knowing that <laughs> they've just sung rihanna please don't stop the music a very uppy very big dancey number and you're about to go and sing i saw the sign <laughs> little bit of a difference there just just a little bit like just slightly a slight change in pace so as I was thinking about this performance and I was like I wonder like how the Bellas must be feeling at this moment in time I mean obviously at the beginning of the movie they're a little bit preoccupied Chloe's running through the the backstage to get ready they're all kind of just prepping up but the nerves are going to be quite high considering the fact that they are now trying to follow a performance that has just kind of stolen the night. The nerves are probably quite high and that probably doesn't help poor Aubrey, who's about to do her big solo and they have to follow that performance by the trebles. What makes it worse is the fact that Bumper knows how good they are. He knows that they have just pulled out an ICCA winning performance to come face to face with the Bellas, who are the college rivals. And uh, and the thing about Bumper is, this is one of the one times where he can have that confidence in knowing how good it actually is. Like, there are some times with Bumper where he talks a big, big game and he never quite hits the mark. But this is one of those times where, annoyingly, he's right. And as much as you would, you want to hate him and see him fail, you know that he's he's got all the cards right now. He has done an amazing job. The troublemakers have pulled it out of the bag. And he's, he's on a win right now. He's on a high. So I do feel very, very sorry for the Bellas who have got to follow that performance and the fact that they're going to do I Saw the Sign. <laughs> No wonder Aubrey blew chunks all over the audience. <laughs> if I've had to hear the sign that many times, I probably would too. But there we go. <laughs> so that was the trebles with Please Don't Stop the Music, the first song 
from the Pitch Perfect movies and it wasn't even a Bella song. I would love to know what your thoughts are. Can you do the man splits? You can let me know. You can drop me a message on Twitter. We've also got a Tumblr as well at Pitch Slapped. But there's no doubting that that song was a great intro to Pitch Perfect. It's not just acapella. It's acapella with a little bit of an edge and some energy. On to fan fiction. If you check out AO3 at the moment, there's lots of big chapter epic fanfics which are in the middle of completion. So I'm intrigued to see how a lot of these are going to go. But for this week, I've selected three very, very different feels, two of which are taken aspects of Pitch Perfect 3 and one which is a reality TV show AU, which I'm very excited about. Starting off with the thick As Long As I'm With You by Ridiculously Over-Obsessed. Now, this fic is rewritten, but it's basically the same plot, just with some tweaks. The summary for this fic is AU of Pitch Perfect 3, in which the hostage situation is actually dangerous, and Becca has returned to join the group at the cafe to tell them the news immediately, rather than returning to her hotel room. With their lives in danger, truths come out about the Bellas, Will they survive or will their run-in with Fergus Hobart prove fatal? I was really intrigued with this fic when I saw the intro because there's been a number of fics over the years that has focused on the hostage situation from Pitch Perfect 3 and a lot of them kind of just take the canon and maybe just tweak the ending a little bit whether it's maybe a bit more dramatic on the boat whether somebody gets injured, like there's lots of takes on that and like what happens in the water. So when I saw this one, I was kind of intrigued because this is a take on the hostage situation where it kind of throws everything a little bit off kilter because instead of really following the narrative of what happens in the movie, in this version, Becca meets the Bellas at the cafe and ends up as part of the hostage situation on the boat. So Amy's pretty much on her own. And I am warning you now with this fic, it's, it's a little bit angsty. Keeps you on the edge of your seat. When you think things are going to get better, they get worse. Like, there's points where you're like, no, no, don't, don't do this. But you don't really have a choice. <laughs> They're kind of stuck. It's really interesting with this fic to see how the different characters react and how it all plays out. Uh, it's very tense. There's lots of things going on. And... I do like the fact that the author chooses to kind of jump between the different people involved. So you have scenes where it's just Becca and Chloe trying to deal with where they're at on the boat. And then maybe it's Aubrey with some of the Bellas or maybe it's Chicago and what's happening over there. So you get these little snapshots of what different groups of people are doing at almost the same time as they're trying to rectify the situation It does keep you on your toes. You end up worrying about lots of things going on rather than just like one or two. And what's really interesting is how the author then brings this all together at the climax and and how it all happens. It's very a very dramatic climax. I felt like I was like watching like an action like movie or like TV show. So if you want something quite dramatic, this one is one to look out for. 
And I will say there are moments in this fic, especially near the end, where you're kind of just holding your breath. You just need to find out what's going to happen next because lives are at stake and it could go either way. That's all I'm going to say. I don't want to give too much away. So if you do want to check it out, as long as I'm with you by Ridiculously Over Obsessed, it's available on AO3 and on fanfiction.net. The next fic that I wanted to highlight this week is called The Rise of Bacloe by Naz underscore 24. Now, this is set right at the end of Pitch Perfect 3, where Becca sees Chloe kiss Chicago. The summary says the young producer acts like she's not faced by it, but deep down, Becca is feeling all sorts of conflicting emotions. Will she tell her best friend how she really feels, or will it be too late? There's lots of people who have taken the Chicago kiss and made fix about it. Some of them get really angsty. Some of them like really draw out the pain that's experienced by Becca and the fact that she didn't get her act together sooner. And so I was intrigued by this one of how they were going to give her like a new take on a subject that's been covered quite a few times. I, there are points that are like angsty and clearly like Becca's upset Chloe's upset. However, what I loved about this fic was there's this whole vibe of really lightheartedness, especially when you get past chapter one. And there are points when it's just hilarious. It's so funny. There's a point where Becca is in her hotel room trying to give herself a pet talk. It's not like the most ridiculous thing ever, but it works so well. And I can always imagine Becca doing that in her hotel room. I love the way the author uses the banners as well, because you've got appearances from Aubrey and Emily helping Becca and Chloe, but also, especially after chapter one, where the Bellas are like just as invested as you are in the Chloe. And so what I really loved about this one is some of the points of the fic are from the Bellas perspective rather than Becca and Chloe. So you kind of it alludes to what's happening, but you're hearing it and seeing it from their perspective, whether it's from their group chat or whether it's them spying from hotel doors or anything like that. And it's all the Bellas, like Aubrey is fully invested as much as all the other Bellas. So I love that little twist on it and just kind of like including all the Bellas in. And there was just this lightheartedness in the fic that I absolutely loved. So if you're looking for something that's just a little bit fluffier and just a bit of fun, this was a really, really enjoyable fic to read. Even the points when I just want to like throttle Becca because she just needs to like grow a pair and do the right thing. And the final fic I wanted to highlight this week is called Are You The One by Blacklighting1212 on AO3. It's also available on fanfiction.net. Now... This fic is not finished, but it's so close to being finished. And I was debating whether or not to talk about this now or to wait. But I've decided, you know what? I'm going to do it now because I think part of the fun of this fic is you trying to figure out how it's going to go. So the fact that you have to wait a bit could almost kind of lean in your favour. I've been holding off on reading this fic for quite a while because a lot of people that 
I've made friends with in the fandom have been like, you have to read this this story. You have to read it. It's so good. They're a little bit obsessed. I mean, they're talking about um, what's happening, how they think it's going to go, who's coupling up with who, who's the matches are, like all this stuff. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, it's not finished yet. Should I read it now? Should I wait? And it just got to the point where they were talking about it so much. And I was like, okay, fine. Fine, I will read it. I will start. So I started reading this story and I did get a little bit obsessed to the point where it it took me four days to read it, like from chapter one to chapter nine. Currently, there's nine chapters. I really enjoyed this story. However, to all of those who told me to read it, I'm like so frustrated right now because it's not finished. And I'm like, no, what's going to happen next? But in a good way, in a good way. Just to give you the summary of the story, what happens when you put 20 singles together in a house, supply them with plenty of alcohol and endless free time, put them through challenges and dates, and give them the chance to find their perfect match, and throw in a million dollar reward? It's a fanfic based on the MTV show Are You The One? Now, I've never seen the show Are You The One. I don't have anything to reference it to however i am a big fan of love island in the uk it's probably like the closest thing to are you the one so although i haven't seen the actual tv show i am a little bit love island obsessed so a reality tv show based on like dating show i find really intriguing and the fact that they've put a pitch perfect spin on it it's fascinating now, I will give you fair warning, this is a Bacloe fic, so although there are certain restrictions with how this TV show is going to play out, Becca and Chloe, Bacloe is there, or it's trying to be, in some form or another. One thing that I have to just appreciate with this story is the attention to detail and the fact that the author Blacklighting1212 must have put so much planning and effort into this story. Like, there's no way that you could write week from week or, like, month from month. You would have had to have planned out the majority of this fic already before you started writing. So that it made sense to everybody who was reading the story. Because... I don't know if the author kind of knew what they were getting themselves into when they started this, but the fact that the, I know that there are people in the fandom who have made spreadsheets of all the matches and they're trying to figure out who everybody's perfect match is in this story is amazing. All because of this one fan fiction. Now, the idea is, is that they, within these 20 singles are 10 girls, 10 guys, and they have to try and figure out who their perfect match is. When they get all of the 10 couples together in the right matches, they win the money. But if they get any of them wrong, they have to try again another time. So the whole point of this, although it's like a dating show, it's not really because you might not get on with the person who your perfect matches, but you've still got to find that perfect match. So it's more about trying to figure out who the perfect match is rather than, hey, you're my soulmate or you're my perfect person. 
that's where like a lot of the joy comes in with it is because you get them all meeting at the start but then week on week as the challenges and things go on and the matches happen you're trying to figure out from the information that is happening in the story who everybody's perfect match is it does remind me a lot of love island and the fact that there are challenges and they've got to do stuff as a couple but that's not necessarily the biggest emphasis and also the fact that there's just loads of alcohol and free time so a big load of the fic is drama because it's like a reality tv show and so the people who are involved are sometimes going to fall out and the added pressure that they're trying to find the matches and so you have people who are trying to play the game and trying to win the money and you have other people who are more concerned about finding true love and so some characters might mess around some might upset others maybe your perfect match isn't the person you thought it was and actually they're going to cheat on you or they found another person they like more like so many things like that can happen which you see a heck of a lot in like reality tv so all the drama that you would have in a reality tv series is right here but all the characters are from pitch perfect and i love how the author draws characters in from the whole pitch perfect universe so you have people like donald from pitch perfect one calamity in chicago from pitch perfect three and then commissar from pitch perfect two like they're all in this house they're all together you get this kind of mishmash of characters and it's interesting to see how maybe tom from pitch perfect one interacts with chicago and things like that commissar and and calamity <laughs> Not only do you have the joy of a Chloe storyline going through and how that's going to work on a straight dating show, but then you'll also have the drama of them trying to figure out who everybody's perfect match is and are they going to win the money? That's the big question. And that's why I kind of felt like it was I was going to cover this now rather than at the end because if it was if this fic was finished you wouldn't necessarily have the joy of trying to figure it out yourself now i think there's only two weeks left potentially before they have their last chance at trying to go for perfect matches so you have the opportunity now to delve in and try and figure it out for yourself but bearing in mind there's like three chapters left to be written this is one to watch and one to look out for and maybe you'll end up writing your own spreadsheet of who you think everybody's perfect matches. Those are our three fan fictions of the week. Thank you so much for listening. And I want to big a big shout out to everybody who has shown their support for the podcast so far. It's been I think we've done like four episodes. And I'm so glad that you're enjoying it and my rambles of Pitch Perfect. I love hearing from you guys. Just wanted to thank fallout bean on tumblr for the lovely message that you shared and i'm so glad that you enjoyed the red lance episode of the podcast that's it from me this week if you want to keep up to date with pitch slapped we do have a tumblr account we're also on instagram and twitter where we'd like to share questions and just share things that are happening in the fandom and i'd love to hear from you and your opinions as well because i want to get them here on the podcast love sharing them Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.